is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 384, recorded on the weekend of Saturday, June the 16th, 2018. And it is a very special episode, one we do once a year, because joining us today to do our Season 8 wrap-up crossover spectacular is Jason and Karen from The Walking Dead cast. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Hello. Hi. Howdy. (laughs) I was, like, going, why is that intro music so slow and then i remembered that i always listen to you guys at 1.3 speed oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) what do we sound like it's wrong what do we sound like at 1.3 um mentally disabled oh okay (laughs) so how is that different than normal (laughs) right well i guess it's the same idea but a little slower (laughs) (laughs) just kidding i love you guys i listen to you at real time oh real time that's nice Uh i listen to you guys at real time too i tried i tried using a podcast app that cuts out empty spaces automatically i don't oh, like cool. that oh it sounded so weird i had to turn it off yeah, yeah. i didn't like it either. because oh. sometimes there's a good dramatic pause and that just kills kills it right exactly you need those pauses yeah. sometimes <laughs> but uh i listen to yeah even when i listen to myself at normal speed i think there's something wrong <laughs> <laughs> i'm just naturally too slow All right. Well, we are here to finally, finally talk about season eight as a whole, which is something we do every year. And the way this works is we kind of do a top six is what we're looking at. And half of the show will be on our podcast here. And the other half will be on the Walking Dead cast uh, on your guys's show. So if anyone is tuning in for the first time or maybe first time this season and not sure what's going on, uh, Jason and Karen are, are good friends. They do another podcast and you can listen to the sort of the other half of this show on their podcast, which is at podcastica.com now. Right, Jason? Yep. Cool. Um, and it's also been like, what, 10 weeks or something since Walking Dead finished season eight. But I guess AMC decided to get fear going right away and we had to get through that first. So it's been a little while. Hopefully everyone mm-hmm. can remember what happened in season eight. I know I had to sit down and go back through it a little bit to make sure I knew what the hell was going on. But uh, it happened. Yeah, right. it happened. I almost wish I just skipped watching fear and we would have just done it right away. <laughs> well, I don't want to go down that tangent too much, but I did no, listen no, to no. your your episode about the, the midseason finale of fear and you weren't that happy. I know. I actually <laughs> dug a lot of things about this new season, but I wasn't, yeah, I haven't been too happy recently. Well, maybe by the time it comes back, you'll, you'll feel better. You'll have gotten over, be your, over yeah. your sadness. Mm, probably not. <laughs> a little so. perspective, maybe. <laughs> I am sort of thinking of it like, okay, forget about lamenting your old show called Fear the Walking Dead. This is a new, totally new show also called Fear the Walking Dead. So let's see what that's going to be like. <laughs> wow. It's that different, huh? I think so. Yeah. It's pretty mm. different. Karen, you didn't watch it. Is. Eh? No. No. Well, season uh, three was really good, and I liked the first half of season four quite a bit. But So if you're going to catch up, I think it's worth it. But it is a totally different show. Jason's right. It's, it's not a worse show either. 
I don't right. think it's. I think I it's. Uh, there's aspects of this this particular season that make it a uh, a better show, in in my opinion, specifically mm-hmm. John Dory. <laughs> right. <laughs> he. I mean, with that, if it wasn't for him, I might just quit. But he's so he's fantastic. He's yeah. so good. Absolutely. Speaking of being in love with people, I'm in love with him. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. He's a he's a big hearted gunslinger. He really is. All right. I saw the I saw the first episode and fell in love with him too. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you should keep going. He's a, he's an I know, important part. I know. There's a lot of good television out there now. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. That's for sure. All right. Enough about fear. Let's let's talk about the Walking Dead. So we're gonna sort of do this like a countdown as as we always do, starting with number six. And uh, guests always go first. So Jason or Karen, who wants to kick us off with their number six? Jason does. Uh, really? That's okay. what I thought. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I usually, I'm usually a gentleman, but not today. So, uh, let's see. This one is, um, <clears throat> it's some particularly cool or impactful moments because it would be really, um, cold hearted to call some of these moments cool because they involve real <laughs> harsh sadness. But anyways, that happened during the season. I'm sure I'll touch on some stuff that's on your list. So I'm just going to briefly go over it. But just things as I was reviewing that I was like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. So here's one. Jerry wielding his axe and chopping a dude in half was fantastic. Yes. I think a um, lot of people waited for that to happen for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Wondering if he, you know, is he a fighter? He seems kind of mellow. Oh, dude, he's a oh. fighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daryl and Rick fighting just because they're bros and it was kind of cool to see them come to fisticuffs. Um, when Maggie shot that one savior prisoner, that, whoa. Impactful. That, yeah, impactful. Uh, she Now, this is not cool, but it was very impactful shiva's death mm. you know all the zombies swarming over the poor tiger no poor tiger hearing jadis talk in full sentences oh yeah that was cool <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say a lot of people are yeah. more we're more upset about the tiger's death than like than anybody else yes yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely i'm one of them right <laughs> yeah carl smarl um there's zeds in the meat grinder that was oh, yeah. kind of cool yeah. Uh, now this one for me, I think more than anyone I've ever, that I've heard talk about it. Some people just thought this was totally lame, but for me, it was a super highlight when Tobin turned into a walker and went around like he was in night of the living dead and attacked Uh people. I mean, it was very improbable that it would go down that way and no one would hear him, but I was just delighted because I'm like, yeah, this is kind of what I thought a zombie show would be like. It was more like a horror movie and that got me. I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> um, Rick and Morgan killing all those saviors when they were captured and the shit hit the fan and they convinced one of them to let him go and proceeded to just kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan fighting Jesus was awesome because we'd always wondered who would win. And uh, I think Jesus won and I was kind of happy about that. Mm-hmm. Even though I love Morgan too. Um, let's see. Maggie's reaction when Rick didn't kill Negan at the end really got me. It was so emotional and I, I totally understood it. I understood both sides of that fight. And then the last one I have here is when all the saviors guns exploded at the end because of Eugene's trickery, even though again, highly unlikely, like I think you guys know we have, uh, department of suspension of disbelief and (laughs) when you can effectively suspend your disbelief i think for me all these moments are just incredible 
Yeah, there were a lot of amazing moments during the season. I, I wrote down a few too, actually, and I have a lot of the same ones that you have. Um, I I also enjoyed the the car chase in episode four mm-hmm. when they were when they were looking for those big weapons. Uh, I know a car chase can be a little a little goofy sometimes, and honestly, on this show, sometimes it it would be. But I enjoyed this car chase. Uh, I also enjoyed Rick in his underwear with his hands tied at. at at the junkyard when he had to fight off that that zombie with the metal spiky helmet on, I thought was pretty fun. I noticed you emphasized the underwear part. Yeah, I was uh, going to say. You enjoyed that, did you? Mm-hmm. Uh, underwear with his hands tied. Uh, you know? If you would have said, yeah, yeah Rick and his underwear with his hands tied, something else was happening. Um, a fight or Period. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know. The heart wants what the heart wants. That's That might be true. You're a red-blooded Canadian. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Henry killing Gavin with a stick through the neck, I thought was oh, yeah. somewhat, yeah. you know, a little bit, again, unbelievable, but kind of awesome. And then Jadis's pristine living quarters came out of nowhere. I thought oh, it was yeah. a neat yeah. little moment. Ikeaville. Ikeaville, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and of course, the helicopter that she seemed to be expecting to come that we don't really know a lot about right now um, yep. was, was interesting as well. So lots of little things throughout the season, I think, that were that were fun and entertaining and unexpected sometimes. I think on this show, the writers decided, let's just throw a helicopter in every once in a while and never explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if the helicopter never comes back again, which, you know, is a distinct possibility now that there's a new showrunner, because who knows where she's going to take the, the show. But I'll be a little disappointed if that helicopter never comes back. What if at the very, the last episode... Everyone dies, and then you see a helicopter fly over, and we follow it to New York City, where everything is totally fine. Everything's normal. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we've been here know. all along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you and losers it, didn't bother to check. Or, or just over the next hill or something. <laughs> or, yeah, right. and it's just... Yeah, the, one town over. The show just starts anew in New York as a police procedural or something. That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see, that's what I wanted. But the only problem with that is that Simon's dead, and I think Simon would be perfect for a, some kind of police procedural... Uh, you know, buddy cop movie or buddy yeah. cop TV show. It'll have to be Walker Simon. It will. Yeah. <laughs> Alexandria is he, CSI. Is Walker Simon dead too? I think he's still strapped to the wolf the fence, isn't he? Yeah, he's on the fence. Yeah. As far okay. as he's on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> maybe dead, maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> kind of undead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Karen, what do you have for the, your first item? Okay. Uh, so for me, I was happy to meet a new character, somebody completely unlike anyone we've met before. And that is... Megan. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Your favorite. (laughs) Late in the season, uh, episode 12, in fact, we met Georgie. Played played by a British actress named Jane Atkinson. She's awesome. And she's... It was so... um, it was so crazy meeting her because she really isn't like anybody else. She's like somebody's friendly aunt. And she just sort of shows up and she deals in knowledge in exchange for supplies and or music, which is great. And she, and, and she shows up in that really awesome van. Yes. That was the best van. <laughs> exactly. She has a couple of enforcers and uh, and they're all they're all uh, women. It's so cool, and um, I would actually love to be someone like Georgie in the zombie apocalypse. It'd be really fun. I love that she um, gives them the the key, and we find out that 
Um, the key is for building structures like windmills, really, really useful things. And I'm sort of obsessed about how things continue after the zombie apocalypse. I work in water conservation. So the thought of how does how do they get water? How do they get power, food, all this stuff? I think about it all the time. Plus, I live in California where we're going to have a giant earthquake and um, everything's going to go um, sideways here in California. And... Um, I think, I mean, I think about, oh my God, do I have my earthquake kit ready? Um, so the fact that she's sort of dealing in the practicalities of the zombie apocalypse, I just love. I'm with you because I, I don't think you're the only person that often wonders about the sort of more day-to-day things about surviving. Where does all the food come from? Where does the water come from? Uh, how do they clean it or whatever? And those are the sorts of details that sometimes a lot of zombie movies and shows don't really get into. Right. Uh, but it's nice. It's nice to see these new people coming who seem like they have their shit together and are willing to share the information, which is really fun. Yeah. You know, and do you think yeah. the helicopter has something to do with them? That is a fabulous question. I'm going to say no, because if they were somehow associated with a helicopter, um, why would they need to go around and get supplies? I don't know. Hmm. No, I don't. But the I feel like she's an emissary, and you do. Yeah, I mean, she's seem like she's from a society that has their shit together, and she's going around trying to encourage other less developed groups to join them. And so it seems like a van would be a better way to do that than a helicopter. You know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, is she in the comic? Uh, we don't know for sure. There's a character that seems like it might be her, but we don't know. Right, guys? That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I stopped reading the comic. I'm <laughs> I'm more or less up to date, and, and Jason's right. There's there's something there that's similar, but we don't really know for sure what the show is getting at here. But the helicopter also is associated with Jadis, so if it was from her, that would mean that maybe they have an association, which I guess is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea that Georgie and Midge and Hilda, the other two characters, who are played by twins, actually, which was sort of oh, cool, sort of obvious on the show, but they had hats and sunglasses on, so you couldn't quite tell. But um, the idea that that they are going around, as you said, Jason, sort of as an emissary from this more established society or group, and bringing knowledge to groups that need it, sort of giving them the tools to get on their feet. And then coming back and saying, okay, now you guys are ready. Now you can join us or merge into what we have going on here. But until then, you have to sort of make sure you're up to speed and worthy and you're not just going to end up trying to kill everybody or whatever. So I think it's kind of a neat a neat process or a neat way of doing things. So mm-hmm. I hope that Vulnerable, they... Vulnerable, though. I mean, Maggie almost... Just yes. robbed them blind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if it's if it's a big enough group and they maybe they have multiple like scouts out there looking for people. And if if they lose one, they've still got all the rest. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe there's a helicopter just over the horizon with, a, you know, a mounted machine gun of some kind to come in in mm-hmm. case uh, of situations like that. Yeah, <laughs> there could be. There could be. I hope Airwolf. in season nine they get back to that story relatively quickly i i'm curious to see where it goes i don't want to be waiting around too long it would be incredibly weird if they never if she never came back yeah that's our lead-in i think that uh, we've wrapped up 
you know most of the storylines in uh, in this season. So that's our lead into next season. I think that's going to be a a big part of next season. Good. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. I'm in. I'm I'm in as well. All righty, uh, Jason Miles, you're up next. All right. So I spent a lot of time nitpicking this uh, this particular season. <laughs> so I'm only gonna I only have one item on my list that is a nitpick, and uh, I'm gonna spew it out here. It's the uh, the sad. <laughs> firearm effects at the beginning with uh, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, all the gun battles that were going on. They looked like they were shooting laser guns. The The actions weren't cycling on their weapons. There was no brass being <laughs> thrown out. Uh, they just it looked like they were pointing in, in laser bullets. Laser bolts were coming out of, out of their guns and it was, uh, there was no recoil. It just, it took me right out of the show. It was very sad and uh, I really, really disliked that. And But later on, in the uh, in the season, they did manage to get their shit together, so that was uh, that was good to see. I wonder if they heard complaints and decided to step it up or something. I well, don't... I I expect that they're not complete idiots and that they know they were being stupid, but they thought they could get away with it, <laughs> and they eventually they're realized, wrong. no, we can't get away with this anymore. So, so what I... about what about like how close people were? It it almost felt like a naked gun or like. You know, I don't know if people know that reference, but a comedy sometimes, how close they were firing at each other. And not hitting each uh, other? And not hitting Negan? Yeah, yeah. Or, I don't know. It just <laughs> Not hitting Negan, specifically. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it sounds like, uh, uh, Jason, it sounds like you um, uh, know guns. So, um, I don't know guns, so I couldn't tell how lame the gun action was. Is that because right. you know guns? I was in the uh, I was in the reserves oh, back okay. way way back when, and so I did have some training with uh, with firearms. And uh, you just you know that uh, when you fire uh, even a semi-automatic uh, rifle, that there is kickback and uh, there's brass flying everywhere, and things are moving, and like big pieces of metal are moving. Uh, but none of that was happening right here. right and yeah. we got more feedback from our listeners about that almost than than anything else this season about how hmm. dumb everybody thought the gun work was certainly in the first half of season 8 and i i mean i always knew people take this stuff seriously but i had no idea just how seriously people were worried about this kind of thing and uh, you know, I don't know guns at all, so I probably never would have noticed any of this stuff, but right. we really mm. got inundated with feedback about it. So a lot of people were, were upset by it, or at least thinking about it. I think you got all that uh, feedback because of Jason, <laughs> probably because, <laughs> because Karen and I don't know anything. And so either people are, who gravitate to our podcast aren't the type of people who notice that, or they just know that there's no point in sending anything like that to us because we won't deal with it intelligently. Which <laughs> is really funny. Well, we yeah. have the sort of dynamic of me not knowing anything and Jason knowing a little bit or certainly more than me. And so enough to get into trouble. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Enough to say something that's incorrect. And then we just get more feedback about it so, corrections yeah. <laughs> so that's happened that happens but they got a little bit better with it as the season went on eh they did they did interesting so good all right well i thought the the excitingness of the battles got better too some of those battles in the beginning i don't know why but they just weren't really gripping me and then towards the end some of the ones i was like oh god oh god <laughs> yeah there's some magic to that that's hard to capture i think 
for sure. It's really tough. Uh, You know, we also did get a lot of feedback about never being able to shoot Negan when he was seemingly standing right in front of us. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. He vowed to kill Negan. That was like the first sentences out of his mouth this season. And then he's standing like, you know, 10 feet away or something. (laughs) With a gun and Negan's unarmed. (laughs) He's just standing there. Yeah. Negan's unkillable. That's, uh, that it, yes. it has to be a fact. Either he can't be killed because everything misses him, or he can't be killed because when it get, gets right down to it, people don't want to kill him. Yeah. He exudes some pheromone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when Maggie yells at uh, Rick, you know, why, why didn't you kill him? Uh, it would have been great for Rick to say, you should know by now, we can't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. He's, he's unkillable. So. He's, he's unkillable. unkillable. Come on, Maggie. Him. He's unkillable. <laughs> the unkillable Negan. Yeah. That sounds like a comic. It could be. The Amazing Spider-Man, <laughs> the unkillable Negan. Show. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Well, my first item just goes back to the beginning of the season. And I think I just wanted to call out the first episode of season eight because I actually thought it was a really great season opener. Um, and part of that for me, I think is because of how depressing season seven was. It was a huge downer most of the season. So when we came back for season eight and we had Rick and Maggie and Ezekiel standing up on that flatbed truck and they're delivering their motivational speech to everybody saying, you know, we're not only going to win this, we've already won this. And, you know, you can't rule by terror and things like that. I, it made me sort of feel good. And I, I got excited for what was to come in season eight. And then during that episode, we had the whole plan of armoring up the cars and attacking the sanctuary and leading all the zombies there. And I wrote, despite their inability to shoot Negan, I thought it was a super fun an entertaining uh, episode and just a big set piece that they did. And I thought the whole first episode of season eight had great promise for, for the whole season, big action. Our team was fighting back and, and I thought it was going to be amazing. And um, I did like season eight, but I thought it started really, really strong, uh, which I wanted to call out because it was good. And then I, Last year in Atlanta, when I did the panel with um, Chandler Riggs and Caitlin Nacon, that was basically what I started by asking them about how kind of depressing season seven was and if it was more fun or just a better experience filming season eight because the team was was all together and they were fighting back and supposedly good things were happening. And Chandler said that it's always kind of fun no matter what, but... uh I also had no idea that he wasn't going to survive beyond episode right. nine. So, uh, like, but I died. Yeah, so. it's it's fun, but but I die. So uh, yeah, we, we didn't know that at that point. No, we didn't know that, but he did. Okay. I'm sure he did. But right. he, yeah, he I did. nobody had you know any inkling that it was coming. He did a good job of hiding it. But at that <laughs> moment, I was really excited for season eight, and I you know thought everyone else might be as well. So it started. It started really good. Yeah, I've had a few experiences like that where I'm talking to someone on a panel and then I find out even sometimes the next night that they're dead <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they seemed a little different or wow, they did a good job of covering it up. Yeah, well, I mean, that's their job. <laughs> they're, they are professional actors like uh, Brighton Charbonneau. She was at a con the weekend that right before the Grove, you know, being oh, all chipper yeah. and everything and on a panel and then <laughs> we saw her that night kill her sister <laughs> that, that must be so 
that must must be pretty tough for them. I mean, I guess that's the yeah. hard part of the job. They're professional liars in that in that aspect in that way. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine. So <laughs> I agree with you, man. I liked the first episode uh, a lot. I liked the pacing of it. It was a little confusing going back and forth in time. I remember, but um, it felt good. Yeah, jumping around in time is something that can work really well to tell some stories and not so well in other ones. I thought it worked pretty good here, though. So, uh, yeah, great, great episode. We weren't supposed to really understand it until no. the end. No, it all. That's the key. As long as it all comes together and you can yeah. sort of put the pieces together by thinking back, that's that's important. But they did a good job on this one. All right, uh, Jason C., you're up again. Okay, uh, let's see. Well, I like that this season was about the arc between Rick and Negan. And like I mentioned, it opens with him vowing to kill Negan and talking about how this is about claiming the world for those of us who would live in peace and fairness, but ending uh, and ending those who use and take and kill to carve out the world and make it theirs alone. So he's putting a stake in the ground that my way is better than Negan's way and I'm going to kill him. Those are the two things. And then over the season, uh, we see that more than any other time in the show, they're trying to flesh Negan out a little bit and make him um, give him a little bit more depth and understand what he's doing and why uh, he said I forget who said this too, but he said, you kill the right people at the right time. Everything falls into place. You kill one and you can be saving hundreds more. And that's what we're all about. We save people. And, you know, he's obviously a megalomaniac and a despot and everything. But I do feel like there's a part of him that thinks I'm, you know, I'm what it takes in this world to save the most people, even if maybe they're uh, not living the lives that they would choose for themselves. At least they're alive. You don't think he felt that way? He's mad at Simon for keep wanting to just go in and kill people. He's really mad. He's like, that's not what we're doing here. He says people are resources, so he sees them more as objects than anything. But my point is just that he's trying to do what it takes to keep the most people alive so they can work for him. Yeah. I'm not and so to say he he's can a good keep, guy. So he can keep the women also as sex slaves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, like I said, I'm not trying to say he's a good guy. I'm just right. trying to say why they kind of explain why they um, call them the saviors. Uh, Cause he does think that he's, it, it takes that kind of strength to go in and, and save people. And then there were a couple other things that they did. Like Morales came back and I thought it was really genius to have people have asked, what about Morales? Where did he go? Even the actor, I want to come back on the show. So they have him come back and it's a friend, but an old friend, but now he's on the savior side. So making us grapple with the fact that there are people on the other side that would otherwise be friends is good. I think in war you, you want to paint the other team as the enemy, but I always, from the very beginning thought, Oh yeah, there's people there who are forced to be there. I mean, Morales turned out to be kind of a dick, but um, like they always stress that the workers, they're kind of innocent, you know? So I thought that was good to make that a little bit more gray area that the saviors aren't just a group of evil people. They're, they're, you know, very types of people. Jared's evil, but anyways, (laughs) then Rick fighting back with uh, Negan was great. First in Alexandria when um, Carl died but that night when it was all on fire i think that's when it was them fighting in the 
in the house. Just great to see Rick just openly giving it his all, finally fighting back, given what we've seen where he's been on his knees, just blubbering to Negan and, and had both hands tied behind his back now. Not, not anymore. And then later, uh, when they had that car chase and Rick crashed, or wait, I don't know if it was a chase, but anyway, Rick crashed into him and they were down in that dark basement or whatever. And yeah. Rick finds Lucille. All that, that confrontation was really good. And Rick, after Carl died, just turning, didn't listen to what Carl said at all, even though he promised he would change. He just became an even darker version of himself for a while there. But then he finally read Carl's letter and it reminded him of what life was like before the zombie apocalypse and that it's worthwhile to try and preserve that kind of civility. So he changes his mind. And in the end, when um, he, well, Negan has the drop on him, he's got his bat and just kicked the crap out of Rick. But then he, Rick says, just give me 10 seconds for Carl and then slashes his throat. (laughs) That was great. But then he decides not to kill him. And so I guess that was just the whole arc of the season that uh, about whose way is better. And, Rick uh, vowing to kill this guy, but then having mercy for the sake of just kind of uh, taking the high road, I would say. So I enjoyed that it was that whole thing was structured pretty well. I just realized those two guys had two fist fights in the season, right? Both of them inside a burning building. And in the first one, is it it's Negan that goes out the window and runs away. Oh, and in the second one, it is too, isn't it? No, Rick did the first Sorry, one. You're right. Rick goes out the window yeah. and gets away. And in the second one, Negan goes out the window and gets away. <laughs> That's right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I like it. Negan's like, hey, prick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, though. That's such a lazy, a lazy burn. Just put a P on the beginning of his name. <laughs> it is funny, though. <laughs> I think it's kind of clever. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'll have more to say about Negan later on, I think. But I, I do agree that they went out of their way in season eight to tell us a little bit more about the saviors and what his whole sort of mandate was, or at least how he saw it. And mm-hmm. do you think that was to, to make him or make us a little bit more sympathetic towards Negan? I think it's good storytelling for one thing, because this is typically at least most of the time been a grounded show that tries to have characters with motivations that make sense. I know there'll be a lot of people who argue with me about that, but anyways, I think it's a good idea to why, why are they called the saviors? Why did he get to Mm -hmm. be that way? You know, just instead of like a mustache twirling villain to be more (laughs) of a real person, I don't necessarily actually, maybe, yeah, maybe they were trying to make us, feel for him and i know there are a lot of people out there who say team negan but i think that's more because they think he's badass and cool versus that they sympathize with him right right but i I agree it's good storytelling to give us more information about about the enemy or who we're supposed to feel like is the enemy so uh all right karen number uh, five okay um since you mentioned the uh, season premiere. I'm going to mention the mid-season premiere. So episode nine, when it came back, it's called Honor. And it's the one where uh, we open with losing Carl. And I loved the whole um, the whole arc of Carl's death. I mean, <laughs> I, I know I did uh, say that uh, it was super, super sad to lose Sheba. <laughs> that wasn't actually a real character. But Losing um, 
losing Carl and um, sad to lose the actor Chandler Riggs on the show, um, who I grew to really um, like. And I felt like his death was good and it was honorable. And I like that he saved Sadiq. And I love that he died on his terms. I love the intro. They played that um, super pretty song by Bright Eyes um, called Mm. um, At the Bottom of Everything. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. And it sort of walked us through Carl's last day where he writes the letters. He hangs out with Judith and uh, plants a tree, does little handprints. It was adorable. So... um, what do you mean he died on his own terms? You mean after he got bitten, he had some yeah. time to yeah. work it out? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he came up with a plan. And, uh, and also in the church when uh, his dad and um, Michonne probably offered to shoot him uh, before he turned, um, he told them to go out and he wanted to kill himself um, to save them the pain of having to kill him. So like um, he had with Lori. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, um, it was a, um, although I was sad to see him go, um, they did give him a good death. They did. It was, um, it, yeah, it, I'm glad they didn't draw it out too, too long. You know, when, when they revealed the bite in the mid season finale, we of course had to wait over the break and Scott Gimple, I think, said that uh, no, there's no trickery going on here. This bite will have the same effect on Carl as it does on everybody else that it would in the Walking Dead universe. So that was, and yet, like I would say, seventy five percent of the people on the internet speculated that he had the cure or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's people were reluctant to believe that they would actually yeah, kill off Carl, of course. And yeah. I was too a little bit. I mean, I for once I believed what Gimple was saying, to be honest. Oh, I have huge trust issues with this show and death. <laughs> and, uh so anytime someone is uh, looks like they probably died or are a, are going to die, I have I have severe trust issues that they're actually going to die. Mm-hmm. So I think uh you know the death of Carl was uh, is one of the items on my list and it it was powerful and surprising and uh and really handled well. And I was uh, I was glad to see that they handled it well on the show and off the show. They didn't mess with our minds, they didn't do anything that uh uh that was out of you know the uh, the consistency of the universe, like him having a cure of some kind, or them figuring out a cure, uh, or something like that. So uh, I think the death of Carl was 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 very powerful and very well done. Right, and the only thing they did that I guess you could argue was a little bit unusual is that he seemed to have so much time between getting bit and actually getting really sick and dying. He had all that time to, like you were saying, Karen, go about his day and write the letters and hang out with Judith. And um, some people seem like they get bit and they're dead five seconds later. But I think in this case, I can completely let that slide because it's Carl and I want to see him do those things. And it needs yeah. to, it needs to be shown, right? It just, it, they kind of, <laughs> they kind of set us up for that at the beginning. I remember in season one, uh, I think it was Robert Kirkman who said the, the time between death and turning is not constant. There's a whole bunch of factors and it's not right. consistent. And they kind of, think- uh, I was okay with that at the beginning. So now anytime somebody dies, I'm okay with whatever it takes. Like if it takes three days for them to die and come back as a zombie, that's fine. If it takes, you know, 13 seconds to be, depending on dramatic storytelling, that's fine too. Right. In my mind. 
I think the the number one factor is whatever would be most dramatic. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And in this case, drawing it out and showing us all that emotional stuff was definitely the most dramatic. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I agree with you, Jason. Yeah, they've pretty much, I mean, it's already been shown to, to vary even in the show. Like, I think Jim had some time in season one after he got bitten. Right. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. people are really quick, like with, uh, well, this is when they got killed, but with, uh, Ezekiel's crew, they just started popping up right away. I guess they were killed though, not bitten, but anyways, yeah, it's been variable. I mean, it even started with, uh, with Amy, Andrea's sister, when she first died yeah. in season one, she came back almost immediately. Did she die? Did she? No, she didn't because she got bitten at night and then she came back and it was light out when Andrea was holding uh, her. No, she was getting, she didn't die almost immediately, but she came back almost immediately. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Uh, So there's the time frame from getting bitten to dying and then the time frame from dying and coming back. Exactly. And they're all very variable. (laughs) They're both. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about Carl's death as the day goes on, but Jason M., what do you have? That was me. That was, uh, we might as well just take my turn. I was going to talk about uh, the death of Carl, and uh, but we, we covered a lot of that. It was, uh, just to reiterate, it was it was one of the, the highlights. <laughs> the death of somebody was the high, one of the highlights of this uh, season for me. Yeah. Cool, cool yeah. And and I'll, I'll just continue that with my next one, too. Carl, you know, it was, it was unexpected. For me, you know, I, I, I still believe there are some characters on this show that they just would refuse to kill off, but they turned that on its head a bit with, with Carl. Um, I don't think it's any much or any bit of a spoiler to, to reveal that Carl is alive in the comics. And this is one of those cases where he's a huge character and he's now gone from the show and it's a massive departure from the source material, which surprised me a little bit. It, kind of makes me wonder what they're going to do now um, with some of those storylines, if they're going to stray away from the comic a little bit more, or they're going to reassign some of those stories or versions of them to other characters. But uh, I also feel like maybe the show or the people creating the show made a conscious decision at some point to have it kind of go a little bit more on its own way, especially maybe after season eight. And this was the first step towards that. So um, I don't know. I think that's exciting. I look forward to that. One thing we don't know yet is we have a new showrunner coming, Angela Kang, and we know Scott Gimple really likes the comic and he tended to recreate some comic book scenes, I think more than any other uh, showrunner before. Well, we had Glenn Mazzara and Frank Darabont. Angela Kang may stray away from that completely for all we know. Yeah, exactly. And and who knows when the decision was made to bring her on or have Scott Gimple leave. But if it was early on, maybe she had a little bit more influence on season eight than, than we would have thought. But she has been around for a long time. So I, I suspect she has influence on the show uh, or she has a great deal of influence on the story and has for a long time. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but I also liked how... AMC didn't really manipulate us at all with this one. Uh, they didn't. They didn't try to pretend like anything sneaky was happening. He got bit. Scott Gimple said, "This is going to play out the way you think it is." And um, you know, Carl's death did have an impact on the story. Um, so they just they just kind of handled it 
well, in my opinion, yep. And, yep. and and did a good job with it. Uh, whereas in the past, they've not handled things so well when it comes to <laughs> yeah. dumpsters and stuff like that. So they they did a really good job here. I think the most heartbreaking scene of the whole thing was when Rick and Michonne are standing outside the burnt out church and you hear the gunshot inside, which is Carl killing himself. And the way Andy Lincoln and um, uh, uh, Denai Guerrera out there just flinch when they when they hear that was yep. oh it was it was incredible and just so upsetting i mean you know they they didn't have to do any acting other than stand there and just react and uh i mean that's a lot of acting i think so it was it was horrible but carl i'm i'm sad to see him go and uh yeah that's that's that all right um i don't know if carl will come up anymore as the day goes on but uh jason see you we are back to you my number four is Carl. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I think it bears talking about it a little bit more. Uh, for one thing, I was somehow able to stay away from spoilers pretty much. I know AMC themselves were saying, stay to the end. Something big is going to happen. But I didn't find out what it was. And when I saw his bite, I literally went, <gasps> I couldn't believe it. <clears throat> I just couldn't believe it. And yeah, like you, Chris, I thought, oh, I thought he was safe. And um, I th- what kills me about this, I agree that they handled it well. I'm not so sure about the death itself. It was kind of weird to have Carl die in such a typical encounter with walkers when he's become a really skilled zombie fighter. Yep. So that was a little weird, but. As far as just once we found out he was bitten and how that all played out, it was just really poignant and well done. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you guys have talked about this on your podcast, I forget, but that I, I have a pretty good feeling that this whole thing happened because of contract negotiations. <laughs> oh. And and I think if that's true, because, uh, you know, Chandler's dad had been saying, oh, he might go to college next year. This was like last year. And just like, I think he was sort of publicizing that to make the uh, show people afraid. Oh, we could lose him when his contract runs out. We better give him more money. And when that didn't happen and then they got into a big fight about it. And I, I mean, the only thing I do know is that Chandler's dad put out this post that was really mad at Scott Gimple because apparently Scott had told Chandler that he would be around for at least three years and then the post got taken down like the next day. But anyway, there was obviously something going on there. And um, that makes me feel like as much as Scott Gimple was saying that there was the big story reason for this and that's why they did it. I know Chandler didn't want to go and and uh, I feel like maybe it wasn't really for that. And so that makes me less able to buy into the whole reasoning behind it. Yeah, and it was all about like trying to impart to Rick that you need to be more merciful and think about what has to come after this war and how what kind of person you want to be. And now that we know, have you been talking about news about what's coming up and everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. We we did yeah. a whole half hour episode on it. OK, <laughs> so now that we know that Andrew Lincoln is leaving, I'm like, well, was it really worth killing off Carl? <laughs> to, I mean, I'm sure they'll figure out a way to say that it still carries forward and everything, but. 
I don't know that I, I, I have mixed feelings about this whole thing. I think it, he's really important in the comic and it would have been great to see some of these storylines play out, particularly with Negan in jail and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think mm-hmm. regarding the, um, the sort of off air behind the scenes stuff, I, I've always kind of thought the best case scenario for any of that was that Chandler's dad, you know, found out, heard the news and was upset about it and made that post kind of just reacting to it and then realized it was a bit of a mistake and took it down. And there actually was no bad blood behind the scenes, but also part of me thinks, well, if I know anything about this kind of thing, there probably is something to it. And there probably is something that happened off air that no one will ever really know about except those involved. But yeah, you know, it's, I, I get it. I think whatever sort of whatever happened there that, that we're not going to find out about, what what ended up on screen was pretty well handled. So yeah, yeah. Uh, here's another factor too. Just uh, I'll let this go in a second, but I I also wonder if Andrew Lincoln leaving didn't have something to do with them letting Chandler go because I think at one point in an interview he said, "Well, if Carl dies, then that would probably be my signal that it's my time to go." So oh. this could be the AMC shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I definitely think that Andrew Lincoln has served his time well, and he's, it makes total sense that he would want to go off and do other things after eight years of this. Yeah. Um, I, I, last thing on Carl is, uh, I have this ringtone and I've, it's been really fun, but now whenever I hear it, I get sad because here it is. <laughs> I got to change that because like, <laughs> it came on like twice today and I was like, oh, <laughs> well, you, you can always change it to everyone else's favorite. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> I'll try that and see what kind of looks like. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can assign that to a, like when your boss is calling you or something, which absolutely you are your own boss. So I don't know how that works, but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, All right, is it my turn? Yeah, go for it. Carl. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Who's that again? <laughs> Carl. Yeah. Uh, but it's a uh, uh, tangentially related. Um, Sadiq. Sadiq. Uh, Sadiq. Sadiq. Um, I don't blame Sadiq for Carl's death. Uh, I, I I love Sadiq. And I love, I mentioned before, I enjoy meeting new characters. And Sadiq was a terrific new addition. I, they are kind of laying it on a little thick with Sadiq and about um, how he's an honorable guy. But it's great. And... Um, and I love in the finale when um, he, Rick is in the baby's room and Rick and Sadiq talk about how Carl died. Um, and they talk about Sadiq's or Sadiq talks about his mom and how his mom believed that undead souls, uh, the undead had souls and that uh, by killing them, you release their souls so that Carl was paying respects to a woman he never knew, which is fabulous and um the whole thing about when people die all that's left is their ideas and um that was just great and i loved also um the uh when sadiq talked about may my mercy prevail over my wrath which was sort of a theme about mm-hmm. what we're what we're learning this season i so, think that's what rick said at the end right or yep. it, it must have influenced him 
Yeah. 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 So yay, Sadiq. I'm on, um, I'm on his side. And also, um, we can certainly use another doctor in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. He sort of had a Glenn vibe to me and that was very welcome. And I didn't even, I, maybe they were laying it on thick, but I feel like we're kind of in a drought for this kind of thing. And so it was welcome. <laughs> yes. Know? What did you guys think? I, I really like Sadiq too. Um, he would have been my next point. Uh, so I'll skip over you, Jason, and just say that, uh, he's my favorite new character. Love Sadiq. Um, he, he didn't have a ton of screen time, but he had a big influence on the show and the people that he interacted with. You know, the effect that he had on, on a lot of these characters was really important. You know, he, he met Carl. He made Carl a better person because, Carl wanted to bring him in and include him when when his dad didn't really want to and really at first just tried to scare him away. And then in turn, that kind of put Rick on a path uh, or supposedly put Rick on a path to accepting new people and stuff like this and indirectly probably had a a um, or was one of the reasons that Rick decided to keep Negan alive at the end and put him in jail. Um and like you said, Karen, just the whole thing about releasing the souls of the walkers like his mother used to do was really touching and sort of uh, kind of a new uh, take on on things for mm-hmm. The Walking Dead a little bit, which I really liked. And just his overall desire, Sadiq's overall desire to help in any way he can, I really like. You know, he just he's not in it for himself. He's there to to for the betterment of the group and he's really genuine about it. So I love Sadiq and I, I want to see more of him and I hope he sticks around for a while, but we've had a lot of doctors get killed off lately. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so we have. Let's hope he doesn't follow that trend, but yeah, Sadiq yes. is, is fantastic. And, um, I, I enjoy watching him and the guy that plays him, whose name I can't remember right now is fantastic. He's so good. And yes. I, I want to see him in some other stuff someday. So good yeah, stuff. The show seems to be hard on doctors and little girls. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And African American men, <laughs> yeah, right. for a yeah, while absolutely. there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Sadiq too, and I like the way he came into the show. Uh, you know, with with Carl going out of his way to uh, to save him, to you know, even uh, because even after Rick said, you know, we got to leave these people, uh, you just got to leave them. But Rick or Carl refused to do that. He helped him anyway. So you know, bringing him into the show by sacrifice, you know, Rick, uh, Carl sacrificed his life to bring Sadiq, uh, into the group. And, uh, I like the way he came in and I like the, uh, I like the character and I hope he sticks around too. Yeah. And that reminds me actually the scene where Carl gets bit when him and Sadiq are fighting off those, those walkers. Um, Jason, was it you, you were saying, I think that it, uh, he Carl's supposed to be so experienced and such a good zombie killer that, you know, he wouldn't get, injured in that way in that kind of scenario but what it said to me is you can be as proficient at this as anybody and be really good at it but it only takes one tiny mistake and look what happens so mm-hmm. i kind of like that element about it too you know he was just trying to help and he was fighting walkers and he got bit and it doesn't matter how good at this you are you still have to be super careful i i agree with that but i don't I I don't I think the point that they were making with that scene is more about um 
Well, one thing is I think they wanted Carl to die by some other hand than anything having to do with Negan so that Negan could then proceed to gloat to Rick that, oh, you, you, you know, you fucked up. You didn't save your son and he wouldn't have any culpability in that. So it would sting even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also think that I totally, in fact, that was one of the things that I said when that happened was, yeah, that, that this would happen in the zombie apocalypse. Like it's like workplace incidents. You can go for 20 years and not have anything happen. And then something bad can happen. It's just random. Right. Right. But I feel like for Carl, maybe that wouldn't, for a character like Carl to die, that might not be the best time to make that point. It might be better because he's such a huge character to have him go out in a little bit more of a, I don't know, exciting or momentous fashion. Well, but I don't know. I'm probably just being picky. I know a lot of other people felt kind of similar. I, I don't, it's not that big of a deal, but it's just something that occurred to me. I mean, you could argue that he was, that it was an important moment because of what he was trying to do, right? Help this guy who was alone, who was clearly suffering and not really at that moment, totally mentally stable probably. And so, you know, that, that yeah. I don't think that should be discounted as not important or not, not a, you know, a proper thing to I be think- doing. Yeah, I see your point. And I think after that, I didn't notice Sadiq making a point to kill all the walkers that they came across. And right. I think maybe he was like, oh, shit, I kind of got that kid killed. So maybe I should <laughs> let that go. Well, <laughs> Sadiq had a big effect on everybody else. And Carl had a big effect on Sadiq. So I think it works out great. <laughs> there you go. The way I think of it, when, uh, you know, the fact that Carl got uh, bitten uh, after, you know, being so skilled is that uh, I've been chewing my own food for 40 some odd years and every once in a while <laughs> oh, well I still then. bite my tongue. Right. <laughs> you think I would learn after a while that to get my tongue out of the way. <laughs> but yeah. it happens. it's a good thing that you're not a zombie or you would infect yourself when you did oh, that. Oh yeah. I, no, we've established long ago that if the zombie apocalypse ever broke out, I'd last about 15 minutes. Mm, me too. <laughs> You'd try to run away. It wouldn't work, and you'd be eaten. Oh, uh, yeah. I run like an old woman. I can't, I wouldn't be able to run very no. far. I would just hide until probably somebody I know would get into the house and kill me. <laughs> It'd be me. I'd come over looking for supplies, and oh, there's That's Jason. Right. Forget that guy. He can't run. It's a zombie apocalypse. Now it's time for vengeance. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> Yeah, in the zomb- the only way for things to happen in the zombie apocalypse is if one of each of us kills the other one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Seems right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, that is number six, five, and, and four from our list. So uh, we are going to do the other half on your guys' show. So thank you guys for, for doing this. It is always super fun. Um Anything else before we uh, before we cut away to the other half? No, yeah. thanks. Yeah, that was no, great. No, thank you very much for, for this. This is always yeah. fun. Always I'm glad fun. you guys want to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. We're going to be someday at season 14, 15, 25, <laughs> and we'll still be doing it. So it'll be good. Um, all right. We're going to take a short break. We do have a little bit more to come with some listener emails and a little bit of news. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, once again, that was super fun to to do the crossover with Jason and Karen. Uh, that was the first half of that countdown on our show. So make sure you check out uh, podcastica.com for the second half on their show. Cool. Good times. So, guys, we're going to do a little bit of uh, listener feedback slash news here. Um, there's a bit of feedback um, that kind of leads into some news items before we call it a day. So I'm going to start with our old friend Chris in the UK. He wrote in about the purpose of Althea's warlord story, getting back to Fear the Walking Dead here, when her and uh, Madison were sitting in the before-before timeline, talking about right. her, I guess, her war correspondence. I think that's the idea there. She was, She said halfway around the world, and she told this story. Uh, but Chris writes, Al's warlord story wasn't about the warlord. The point she was making is that the truth coming out can have positive effects. The villagers telling Al the truth enabled them to free themselves from tyranny. Madison telling Al her truth helped Madison decide who she was. Al's belief is that this has value in itself. Where others think, hey, get off your ass and get involved. Al is saying, this is how I am getting involved. That gives three outcomes from the before-before part of this episode. Number one, there was some misdirection about the fate of Madison. And actually, that's something Chris talked about earlier in the email, but this is just a chunk. Uh, number two, we had a better understanding of why Al thinks that uh, what she does is important. And number three, a better understanding of why Madison became the person she did at the stadium. That's pretty good. I think the first of those would have been sufficient, but I like that we got more out of it. So just a good uh, breakdown of that of that story that I'll told, I think, and how it sort of played into the thing. And, uh, I, you know, I think that part of that was a response to me not really being totally on board with uh, or, or, or the amount of time they spent in the before before. But it right. does make a little bit more sense with Chris's perspective. Yeah, I, I agree. There's uh, that that is a good perspective. I only considered a couple of or one of those aspects, but the other two are important as well. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Chris, for that. Now we have a call from Thomas. Hey guys, this is Thomas from Norfolk, Virginia, uh, calling again uh, after a really great episode. Um, I thought this week's or uh, last week's episode, excuse me, calling a little late, uh, was one of the best Walking Dead episodes I've ever seen. Um, the, the actress that plays Alicia specifically, I thought was this was a breakout performance for her. Um, I, I just I really instantly fell in love with her character in this episode. Uh, I think the mixture of characters that they have now with the new and the old is really, really interesting. Uh, and Madison's death was really powerful uh, and is going to have an impact on the story going forward. There may have been a little bit of inconsistencies with the messaging, um, but I, I really thought it was uh, like I said, one of the best episodes ever. Um, I haven't listened to your podcast this week for the episode yet. Um, uh, about to do that now. So have a good one, guys. Thanks a lot. Keep podcasting. Thanks, Thomas. Um, I, I wanted to play that because it's sort of counter to a lot of the opinions that people had about that episode. Many, many right. people were very, very upset about Madison's death um, and the way it all played out. But Apparent death. Alleged yeah. death. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so says you. Uh, but Thomas uh, seemed to really enjoy it. And I'm sort of more on his side. I, I thought the episode was great. And uh, I totally agree that uh, Alicia is 
breaking out and um, going to be amazing. And uh, I really hope that she isn't killed off as well in the back half of season Oh, that, four. that'd be stupid. That'd be stupid. It would just feel way too much like cleaning house, these new showrunners and, and starting over, you know? What are they going to do? Kill Strand? They can't kill. They can't do it. They can't kill Alicia. I'd be. They can't do it. I'd be more okay if they killed Strand than Alicia at this point, to be honest. But uh, I think at killing off either of them right away would be a mistake, and I don't want to see it happen. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be like they were the sharks when Fonzie jumped the shark. It would just it would be right in there in the middle of Fonzie jumping the shark. Yeah. Would, I don't think they could kill off Alicia. I don't think they could do it. I don't think they would do it. I think everybody would be colossal idiots if that were to happen. Every single person involved in that decision-making process and execution of putting that onto our television screens would be an idiot. <laughs> and I'd be an idiot for watching it. Right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Jason says everybody is an idiot. <laughs> would be. Or might be, yeah. Uh, all right. We have an email from Stephanie in Xenia, Ohio. Uh, now, Stephanie sent in basically a link to an interview that Fear the Walking Dead showrunners, the showrunners did recently. And, you know, Jason, I'm going to read these two chunks from the interview here uh, about their thoughts on what happened to Madison. And you can tell me if you put any stock in this. Okay. So... Uh, Chambliss, that's his last name, said, we will confirm that Madison's story has come to an end. She made a sacrifice to save her children and the people she had brought together in the stadium. And we heard that story recounted from the points of view of Strand, Alicia, and Luciana. It was really about them talking about the last moments they remember of Madison. And that was about her sacrifice and this act of heroism she did to not just save them, uh, but the philosophy she had built this whole place on. It was about to be more than just, it has to be about more than just herself. It has to be about community. It has to be about everyone. We were really invested in that being the final memory everyone has of Madison going forward. And then later on, he was asked about not actually seeing her die. And he said, for us, we were always much more interested in, interested in Madison's last act of heroism being her standing there with the gun and the flare as the walkers were descending on her. For us, that's uh, that was what Madison's whole life was about, protecting her family and protecting the people she brought into the stadium. We wanted that to be the final image, but there were thousands of walkers in that stadium that were feet away from her just before they went up in flames. So Madison died making that sacrifice for her family. Seems pretty definitive. It does. It seems pretty definitive. Not only that, but on the Talking Dead After show, they did an extended in memoriam section for her. And that's not something they, they do for everybody. Did they do it guys. for Glenn the first time with the dumpster? Uh, well, that was a whole different thing. Scott Gimple was on there and, or was he on? He, he at least made the statement right after and this and that. It, it, it was all just seemed a lot more, um, sneaky. And I don't think they did it for Glenn, to be honest. Right. Uh, Anyways, I think all of this tells me that at least, at the very least, their intention right now is that she is 100% dead. If something changes in the future and they use, the, you know, the fact that they didn't actually see her get torn apart as an out, I can't say for sure that they won't do that. But I think their intention is that she's 100% dead right now. 
I'm having a hard time picking that statement apart and making it a lie. So I think I might be swayed. You mean the, the only thing? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I think that that statement. It's hard to pick apart. It's hard to uh, see that statement as uh, subterfuge. Yeah, it doesn't. It's pretty definitive. It doesn't sound like BS. You know, everything. Every time Kirkman says something, it sounds like it might be bullshit. Every time uh, uh, Scott Gimple, to a lesser degree, admittedly, uh, but every time he says something, it kind of sounds like bullshit. These guys felt pretty straight in their statement, and just the whole idea of them saying this is what it means to us, and this is why we did it this way. Um, I don't know. It resonated a bit and I thought it had some weight. So, yeah. Yeah. The only thing I could do to pick that apart is when they say that this is how uh, Madison's story ends. Yeah. And I, I, I say for this season. And then when they say this is, uh, you know, it was a very powerful thing. We wanted this to be the last memory of Madison that her family had mm-hmm. until she reappears again. You know, if you can put. <laughs> Like you could do that to anything, right? <laughs> just sure. like so those are the only two things I can think of that I can pick apart. Everything else is just flowery bullshit about uh, you know, she's a great character, she sacrificed herself, this is the meaning, blah, 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 blah. But the only thing specifically they said about her dying was she sacrificed herself, uh, and this is how her story ends. Right. For now. You know, I thought you might uh might pick up on the the first sentence. We will confirm that Madison's story has come to an end rather than we will confirm that Madison is dead. But he does kind of say that later on. So yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, whatever. I, I see they should have started that whole thing off with Madison is dead. Uh huh. Right. They never said that anywhere in that statement. So that's okay. So I'm not having that hard of a time picking it apart but whatever i you can't craft a uh you know a public statement to be legalese right right so whereas i can craft something sort of like you know madison uh the character that is portrayed by blah 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 has in fact and definitively uh died and you know left the material plane to you know, whatever, but you can make it legalese, but you know, it doesn't make for very good reading. Sure. Well, I mean, the first sentence is we will confirm that Madison's story has come to an end. And the last sentence of the second quote is, or the last partial sentence is, so Madison died making that sacrifice for her family. So that's all you need to hear. Okay. <laughs> but let's move all on. Right. Ah. <laughs> uh, let's move on. I hate being wrong, but it happens so often. You should be used to it by now. You'd think. You'd yeah. think that I would get used to it. I'm, I'm actually okay with being wrong, generally speaking. Yeah, of course. It's and an I op- feel like I'm wrong in this case. It's an opportunity to learn something and expand yourself as a person. Yeah. If it helps anybody, I feel like I'm wrong. Okay, good. Good, good, good. All right. Next one here is a call from Reese. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Reese. Just really calling cool in to talk about the Andrew Lincoln thing. I know I'm a bit late to the party. But uh, it's taken me a little while to process this and think about it a little bit and get my opinions together on this situation. But I've got to say, I don't think the series is going to be the same ever again after this. Um, Not much stuff really survives it. It'd kind of be like if Dexter had left the show. (laughs) Or if uh, Jack had left Lost. You know, it just wouldn't be the same show anymore. Uh, I can see how they're going to try and carry it on. I really hope they don't. Uh, as much as I like Norman Reedus, 
as 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 who he is in it. I just can't really see him taking the lead on it without too much of a drastic character change, which again would not really work for me. I kind of wished that they could just pay Andy Lincoln, Andy Lincoln, Andrew Lincoln, um, to just kind of finish off the whole series. Like even if it meant The Walking Dead come to an end, I'd far rather the show come to an end naturally with the characters that we care about being in it than it dragging out another few seasons. I don't know. I don't know. But I'd like to know your thoughts on that. Would you Would you say the same thing, that it would be better if they just completed this full season with the characters and the cast being intact and uh, not just writing them off halfway through, which seems pretty sort of arse about tit, really. But anyway, guys, that's my opinions. Let me know what you think, please. Thank you. Bye-bye. What do you think there, Jason? Would you prefer the show to end with Rick, even if that meant ending soon-ish, or are you okay with the fact that they're going to have to write him out of the show and it's going to continue without him somehow? Well, he was talking about three different, there's three different options here, right? Do we end the show because Andrew Lincoln is leaving the show? I would weirdly be okay with that. We have a, we have a solid spinoff. We're probably going to have another solid spinoff or another spinoff at least. You know, maybe it's time to to splinter the story in in the universe without uh, without the main show being on the air anymore. You know, let it live its life and uh, you know come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. That's that would I would be okay with that. Um, the other thing he was talking about was do we just complete the whole season? with Andrew Lincoln and then start up a new season without, uh, without Andrew Lincoln. That is a mistake that I don't think they should do because as soon as they do that, everybody's going to jump ship and get the hell out of Dodge. They'd be like, well, you know, Andrew Lincoln left the show. So why should I go back? Whereas if they write about mid season, the story goes, continues. And at least it gives us a chance to get used to the idea of Rick being gone while the story is in progress. And we're watching week to week and Rick's gone. And then by the end of the season, uh, we're like, oh, okay, now it makes sense what the story is doing. We can come back next season. <laughs> like he was never there. Like he was never there. Like who cares about that guy anyway? I mean, sure. He was in the first shot of the first episode of the pilot, but fuck him. Yeah. Right. It, you know, it's funny. I, I agree that uh, just keeping him around to the end or somehow figuring out how to way to end this with Rick on the show is probably the right decision i would i would be fine if season nine was the last season and rick was a big part of it and got to the end or close ish to the end i guess and that was that uh but it sounds like that's not going to happen and it sounds like there's no chance of that happening so i don't know i think that also you know my feeling there fact or is influenced by the fact that i do think the best thing the show could do right now would be to say okay, we're going to be done here. Our ending is after season 10 or whatever. And that's our point where it's going to stop uh, and just set that end point and work towards it rather than continue to work towards an unknown ending, you know, sometime in the future. So, well, you'd also think that there's probably a lot of big brains sat in a room and discussed all of these options. You know, uh, do we end the show? Andrew Lincoln is leaving. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Do we end the show? Do we, you know, write him out at the end of the season. Do we write him out? Like, 
uh, or do we write about midseason? And when they talked about the different options, these people are not just speculating about, oh, my God, we got to do something about the show. It's like, well, let's come up with some damn storylines to see if this makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they sat in a room and they decided that uh, writing out Rick uh, throughout this first, this, this next season and then having the story continue because they have these ideas and everybody went, yeah, those ideas are pretty good and I think we can do this. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty cynical guy and I don't have a lot of faith in, uh, in the creators of the show when it comes to faking us out with deaths and lying to us, but uh, you got to think that these people generally know what they're doing and have a, have a plan. And I guess we have to trust in that plan because what choice do we have? Well, it's it's the single biggest change that could happen on the show, really. And so they, yeah, they better not treat it lightly and they better come up with something, some way to handle it and do it right. Yeah. Uh, and they know that there's like a, a shit ton of shows that have tried to replace main characters and entire casts on, on shows that were hits that the, the main characters don't want to, their main actors don't want to be on the show anymore. Uh, Topher Grace on the, uh, that 70s show. We've got, uh, Diane on cheers. We've got, uh, you know, Richie leaving, uh, Happy Days. There's so many shows, and there's with such varying degrees of success that they know what they're getting into. They know that they're dipping their toes into, you know, the shit stream, and they're about <laughs> to go up there without any kind of paddle whatsoever. So you'd think that, you know, they're weighing that against shit. We could probably make some money over a couple seasons, even if it turns into a big pile of crap. We're still gonna, all, you know, we're sure gonna still be taking two big bags of money to the bank so let's do this thing well i just hope they don't take it lightly and they consider all the options but that's you know sounds like what you're saying so that's what they need to yeah. do like they can't they can't just think yeah you know our, our lead guy is leaving everything will be fine <laughs> you know yeah no one will even notice just thinking you know who cares about the story we're gonna make 20 million dollars each Right. We just continue doing this. Whereas if we don't do this, we're not going to make $20 million each. So let's do this. So let's do it. Yep. I want my $20 million. All right. Uh, here's a call from Lisa. Hi, Chris. Hello, Jason. Uh, it's Lisa here from Queensland, Australia. I love your podcast. I know I've told you that before. Particularly enjoyed um, the most recent one with the discussion around Andrew Lincoln's departure and who would take over as leader of the group. I love um, Daryl, absolutely love him, but he's just not um, leadership material. I have a theory it's pretty out there but or a theory or a thought out there, but I reckon it could work and I'm thinking that Negan could be their leader. And the reason why is because, like, in during season eight, Negan's character did get softer, did get more human. At moments, he showed some compassion. Um, so he's, you know, he's not the murderous villain that, well, yes, he is a murderous villain, but, you know, he may have a heart in there somewhere. I think that while he's in prison, him and Rick could have a lot of profound discussion about you know, where, how to go forward in this new world, how to create this new world. And, you know, get Negan on board. Um, you know, that whole philosophy of, or Carl's philosophy of peace, of people not having to die and people getting along. 
I think eventually that would resonate, that could resonate, resonate with Negan to the point where he starts believing it and starts wanting to, to live that way. And I think it would be awesome if, uh, in an act of heroism, Negan tried to save Rick's life, uh, which he unfortunately doesn't do. And, and he's holding Rick in his arms and as Rick's dying, He's saying to Rick, I promise, Rick, I will, you know, lead your people, you know, compassionately and I will follow your lead um, as you had done. I will look after your people. I will not hurt your people, um, yada, yada, yada. I think that would be just awesome TV. Um, so that's my crazy theory. Um, <laughs> but I do, I really think it would work. And it would really, really increase the tension on the show um, and the drama because, you know, the Rick's people, you know, hate Megan for obvious reasons. And a lot of, you know, the audience do too. So you'd kind of be watching and thinking, okay, is he for real or is he, what, what's his motives here? You know, what's really going on? Yep. I reckon it'll work. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thanks for listening and, um, yeah, keep up the great work, guys. Bye. All right, thanks, Lisa. I was I was kind of on board until the description of the scene of of Rick <laughs> in Negan's arms professing that he'll he'll uh, you know lead his people justly and rightly. I, I'm not sure I can see that happening, but um, you know, if Negan's going to be sitting in a jail cell, and I don't think he is for very long. Uh, but maybe, yeah, maybe there'll be weekly therapy sessions between Rick and Negan and. Ultimately, Negan will be completely rehabilitated out of jail as a new man and step into that leadership role or that leadership hole left by Rick, who is now dead because he's not on the show anymore. Yeah, well, he's a big fan of Judith, right? He would uh, he would raise Judith as his own. Yeah, I would assume he was a big fan of Carl, too. He even said, I like that yeah. kid, you know, so. Yeah, maybe he'll, uh, you know, he'll get together with Michonne and uh, just carry on. Yeah. So here's an idea. Okay. That, uh, okay. So I think this could work if they have this idea. The, so what they do is normally a season is uh, two blocks of eight episodes each, right? So we have 16 episodes. In block A, what we do is we play out, uh, Rick dying, uh, the way the show normally would uh, would progress, so that you know Negan is in jail, Rick is doing his thing. They have the story that goes eight eight episodes. In the second block, what they do is they do a reset where Negan takes over, and they just do the same storyline but with Negan in charge instead of Rick, and we see how that plays out. So we have two different alternate universes playing out in the two different halves of the season, <laughs> and then at the end they decide what to do with the next season afterwards. Weird. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, but uh, I think that uh, in some kind of weird universe that could work. We haven't had a show where they did that before. No, and have the fans vote on it. It'll be a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure TV experience. Yeah, we could bring in reality television. <laughs> you know, maybe we could get the celebrity panel to discuss the different options. Wow, that yeah. would be horrible. It's just stupid enough to not work. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, Negan is their leader. It's, I, I think it would be pretty tough to swallow that after everything we've seen happen. I mean, Maggie would have to be gone too. 
Uh, and and it, word it can't is happened, unfortunately. It, word, it word, just can't be. Yeah, I know. Word is Lauren Cohan is not, in fact, going to be back after season nine or maybe even the first half of season nine. So her and Rick go- gone. Um, everyone else will just be apathetic and be like, Negan, you want to take over? Come on. Uh, yeah. They're just going to recast Maggie. Like they can't. That's what they're going to do. I mean, Rick may just go, but the Maggie's all recast. That's right? funny. I hadn't considered recasting her and uh weirdly i feel like that might be the right call jessica simpson's not doing anything maybe we should uh we should see if we can get her to be maggie (laughs) there could be better choices i don't know i'm just saying could be i don't know yeah it's just you know throwing it out there all right judy dench maybe i don't know sure she's a good choice for everything uh chris in toronto writes i feel like carol would make a better choice as the new lead character instead of daryl we have already seen many standalone episodes focused on Carol, but off the top of my head, there haven't been many standalone episodes with Daryl. It would also be interesting to see Carol change her mind to lead the group after Rick's possible death, as she was previously thinking of leaving the group entirely. I think True. Carol is actually a pretty obvious choice for someone to step up into that role. Uh, she's been around a long time. She knows everybody. She's a good character. She's had one of the strongest character arcs since the beginning yep. of this show. Um, and this would just be a new uh, challenge for her and something she hasn't wanted to do in the past. So I think it's a pretty good choice. I think so, too. I think they should uh, have her give her the big money and step up. Yeah, give her the $20 million. I mean, God. She she deserves to get paid. She's been doing good work for a long time. Absolutely. Okay, finally, Paul in Cambridge and Liverpool, England, said, I don't think Daryl becoming the leading guy will attract more viewers or stem the loss of viewers. On the other hand, Rick leaving will guarantee a hemorrhage of viewers. Myself, I'm sure I will stick it out until the end. In some ways, the show will have to go in a new direction. But the problem is, if they get it wrong... It will finish the show. And I wanted to read that because I also came across a news article, and this is kind of where the news factors into what we're doing here, um, about some statistics around the show, or at least uh, some viewer uh, opinions. So Reddit, you know this website Reddit, right, Jason? I'm familiar with Reddit. They did a poll about The Walking Dead, and there were some interesting results. Uh, I found this on comicbook.com, who reported on it, and I'm just going to read from the comic book article here um, with some of the results from this poll, and some of them are really, really interesting. So on comicbook.com, they wrote, The poll questioned whether fans think Rick should leave for a possible return in the future or die. The results were fairly split. 49% of fans voted leave, and 51% percent said die so that's pretty much right down the middle some people want him to leave leaving the door open and the other half want him to be killed off not too much controversial there but the article goes on sticking around uh, with the amc show when rick's time ends however was a different story 72 percent of fans who participated in the poll said the walking dead should either end after season nine uh Sorry, sorry, should end after season nine with 14% saying it should merge with Fear the Walking Dead. Yikes. Which apparently is not happening. That was a thing. And I think somebody said, no, we're not merging the two shows. I don't think it's a terrible idea, to be honest with you. But um, I kind of think that would have worked better if Madison was still alive. And we know she's not. So I'm not so sure it would be a good idea. And they say it's not happening anyways. 
Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it would have been a good idea. Okay, well, fair enough. Uh, finally, uh, the article goes on. Only 18.8% of fans said they would continue watching The Walking Dead after Rick is gone. 36.9% said they will maybe stick around, with 44.3% outright saying no. <laughs> Uh, the poll also asked which character should become the centerpiece of the show with 40% voting for Negan, followed by Judith, 20%, uh, Judith's 20% bid, <laughs> Daryl's 15% of the votes, Michonne's 14%, and Carol's 12%. So, you know, Negan ran away with that one, and weirdly, Judith is in second place. Uh, well, but, you can't trust the internet for voting on shit. I, I mean, come on. I know, I know. But what do you feel, going back, what do you think about the 44.3% of people saying, nope, we're not going to watch after Rick is dead? Even if that's inflated and it's only like 30%, that's a huge number. Yeah, I have a hard time with these polls because, you know, people might be voting strategically. If I say I'm not going to watch it, you know, maybe they'll listen. Maybe he'll change his mind. <laughs> yeah. So I have a hard time with these polls, but uh, I think that the you know if they continue on with this show without Andrew Lincoln as the lead, uh, the show's at risk. It's mm -hmm. at a very big risk, and that is proven by other shows that have done this before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it had like I said, it's been we have had various levels of success on doing this. But it's a huge fucking risk. And I think that putting uh, Norman Reedus as the lead is yet another huge fucking risk. Uh, it's, 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 it's a tough sell. Mm -hmm. And apparently they sold it. And I hope that their decision-making process isn't entirely based on money, even though it probably is. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, I don't – I won't stop watching the show. No, I'm not, but I'm not a typical audience member, nor am I a typical Redditor. But let's, but let's consider the fact that the show at its peak had 17 point something million viewers for a long time. It was averaging in the 10 to 12 million season eight was in the, most of the episodes were in the six to 7 million range. And if 44% of those people stop watching it, that's nearly half. So we're going to be down in the three and a half million range we've gone from a peak of 17 million to 3.5 I, I mean that's gotta make fucking AMC, amc executives just crap their pants you know uh, i don't know so i don't know it it's, depends you know uh it might be tempered by how much money they make right like well uh, if your job uh for some reason uh you know the popularity of your job went down but they still gave you the same salary. You'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't care. Right? Uh, yeah. well, if, you got, if you had less work, sure. But the same money, you wouldn't <laughs> care, right? You wouldn't be like, oh man, that's that's really upsetting. I should really find some more work. Actually, I'd, I'd be, like, <laughs> I'd be super yeah, exactly. happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I guess I, but I, I don't know if they see it that way because when there are less people watching. They do make less money because they can charge. They can't charge the same for advertising and all those sorts of things. So, I think it's yeah. important to these guys to have a lot of eyeballs watching it. But, yeah, but there's a lot of eyeballs, and then there's enough eyeballs to make a profit. Right? Oh, they don't think about it like that. They want to make as much profit as they absolutely possibly can. 
Well, they they absolutely do, but they also want to expend money where they know they're going to make a profit. And if the profit is still there, they're going to spend the money. I guess. At the right? end- they don't have to put the machine together. They just have to keep the damn thing running. Mm-hmm. I suppose at the end of the day for me, if if all of this plays out and people continue to stop watching the show and the ratings go down and down and down and AMC gets nervous, I just hope at the end of the day they don't um, make a snap harsh decision and say, show's canceled. We're done. This is, you know, last episode is the one we have in the can now kind of thing. Um, I hope what they do is say, okay, The Walking Dead has run its course. Uh, How do we want to put this to bed? Let's say we're going to give it eight more episodes for a shortened season 10 or even a full season 10. And you smart guys have to wrap it up in that time. And that's what you have to do. I hope that's what they do. And we don't hear, you know after the season finale of season nine, that it's just never coming back. That would suck. That would suck. You know, give us, give us a wrap up, give us something. And that, you know, I'll be okay with that. Give us something. Anyways, that is, that is going to do it for this podcast this week. A big thank you again to Jason and Karen for coming on and doing the crossover as we do. Please visit podcastica.com and check out the other half. And of course, all the other shows that, Jason has up and running over there. If you hadn't gotten caught up on Ash versus Evil Dead, absolutely go back and watch that. And then listen to me and Jason and Rich talk about that for about an hour every week. That was some of the most fun I ever had podcasting because that show was a massive uh, bowl of excitement for all of us. So <laughs> check that out. Um, but thanks, you guys, for doing this. It was great. Um, and where are we going from here, Mr. Miles? Uh, you know, I don't think there is going to be too much time to put down our microphones and take a break because San Diego Comic-Con starts in five days. (laughs) Right. In San Diego. It starts on Thursday, the 19th. Um, and I assume there will be a Walking Dead trailer coming out of that, although I haven't been able to find any information on the panel yet. So... Um, I'm all, I'm working on the assumption that they will do what they've done in every past year. There'll be a big panel, they'll release a trailer, it'll come out online, and then you and I can pick our way through it. But if that doesn't happen, we won't have that to do. If it does, we will likely be talking about that next weekend. (laughs) Cool. At some point. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it really. So there's that. And then soon after that, uh, there's a movie on Netflix called Cargo starring Martin Freeman that I really want to watch and talk about here. I've heard good things. A few listeners have asked if we've seen it and are going to talk about it. So I think we should do that. That's called Cargo. It's on Netflix. It stars Martin Freeman. You will remember him from things like um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the UK Office um, and that last uh, Simon Pegg movie. About the end of the world. Was it called the end of the world? No. It's called the world's end. The world's end. There we go. I just got the words out of order. (laughs) Martin Freeman's awesome. He's awesome. And apparently he's great in this movie. So it's called Cargo. Check it out. We'll talk about it uh, sometime soon. I would say in the next two to three weeks max, assuming we're going to do the San Diego Comic-Con trailer first. Uh, But that's our plan for now. Um, And Fear the Walking Dead comes back mid-August. I think they announced the 12th 
but I'm just going by memory there. So we'll be back, of course, sometime in August to talk about that. Uh, and we'll be doing other things in between. So thanks awesome. again for a great season, everybody. Uh, stick with us over the summer. And if you'd like to contact us, you can do that by visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com and sending us a voicemail or checking us out on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead. And the easiest way to get in touch is by email at TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. All right, that is all for today. Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.